0: It's a damn tough life, full of toil and strife, we men undergo, and we don't give a damn when the gale is done how hard the winds did blow, cause we're homeward bound from the arctic ground with a good ship taut and free. And we won't give a damn when we drink our rum with the girls of Old Maui. Rolling down to Old Maui, me boys rolling down to Old Maui. We're homeward bound from the Arctic ground, rolling down to Old Maui. Welcome to Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements. I'm Mark.
1: Hi, and I'm Ben.
0: And, uh... This is our podcast where we talk about Moby Dick.
1: Yep. Okay. Um, oh, should I mention that I was also recently on another podcast?
0: Usually that sort of thing waits till the end of the podcast, okay? well
1: I... we'll wait till the end of the podcast. Uh, I don't know. You know more about podcasts than I do.
0: What? You could have asked me this before we started recording, man. <laughs> That's true. I'm and, sorry. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, today... We were talking about chapters uh, fifty-one through fifty-three, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's a relatively short segment because uh, chapter fifty-four is really, really long.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a whole episode all in its own.
1: Yep. Uh, a but, town you know, hose story. It's a
0: it's a it's a short selection, but I think a, a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: I certainly enjoyed it. Lots of uh, foreshadowing, lots of omens. I love omens.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess we may as well get into it with, uh, chapter 51, The Spirit Spout.
1: Which is an omen. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's ominous. What I mean is it's ominous. Yeah, this, sure. This, book is perfectly happy to have omens that aren't about anything specifically. Yeah, like I just feel, Elijah.
0: I just think that describing something as an omen make, means that it is, like, supernatural and, like, like, uh, uh, foretells the future. Sure.
1: This is called the Spirit Spout.
0: I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think, like, haven't we talked about how whether or not there is anything supernatural happening is like a... Okay,
1: it's ominous. How about we say it's ominous? Yes, sure. I'm
0: more comfortable with that. Um, Okay, so... uh, uh, Weeks pass, and the Pacquad moves through, like, a wide range of the Atlantic. Uh, He names several cruising grounds that they move through. Uh, And one moonlit night uh fidala spots a whale's spout
1: and it's it's notable that normally you don't look for whales at night presumably cuz lowering for them is just asking to die yes. but um the uh he di- but fidala uniquely among the crew stays up all night in the uh in the masthead uh, looking for whales and so you know he calls Thar she blows or you know there she blows On an actual, like, on a spout at like midnight.
0: Yeah. Um, And, uh, do you want to read this, uh, this alliterative sentence? Uh, or I could. I just Uh, think it's really good. People should hear it. Oh, oh,
1: the one before the, uh, the one. Yeah, no, that one's really good. I will happily read that. Uh, it was while gliding through these latter waters That one serene and moonlight night When all the waves rolled by like scrolls of silver And by their soft suffusing seethings Made what seemed a silvery silence Not a solitude On such a silent night a silvery jet was seen Far in advance of the white bubbles at the bow
0: Yeah, it's that's good. good. that's just cool Yeah, uh, no, it's
1: just It's just a pleasant sentence And there's a lot of those in this chapter
0: Yeah, uh, so they spot a whale spout um, And the whole crew uh, Jump up ready for a lowering
1: um not entirely ready for a lowering it's it's interesting because you know uh ahab commands that they pile up sails and pursue it and everyone's sort of thrilled by it but it's not clear if they would actually lower if they got close enough to it unless it was the white whale
0: uh that's fair i mean it does say that uh almost every soul on board instinctively desired a lowering Mm, so like that makes me think that it, it's possible that ahab wouldn't want to wouldn't actually want to lower if it wasn't the white whale but mm-hmm. like the sense that i got was that everyone else wants to
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely they're thrilling to it and like uh you know it's, there's this interesting line that you know had the trump of judgment blown there could have not have quivered they could not have quivered more yet still they felt no terror rather pleasure so like people are really excited and um you know fadala's cry is so clear and you know sort of uh, energizing, that everyone's filled with this, like, uh, almost wonder, rather than, you know, fear or concern.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, when I was reading this chapter, I didn't really have in mind the thing that you clearly did, that it wouldn't be normal for a whale ship to uh, to keep lookout during the night, or to lower during the night. Um, yeah, yeah, there's
1: the, there's the line, and yet though herds of whales were seen by night, not one whaleman in a hundred would venture a lowering for them.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, was that in this chapter?
1: Yeah, that was in this chapter. That was a
0: uh, How did I miss that? I uh, feel like a fool.
1: Possibly because you were still in a you know in a haze from the really good alliteration like to like the sentence before. Uh y-
0: yeah yeah, I it's That must be it. Yeah, no, yep, I uh that's that is clearly I just didn't read that. That's very embarrassing. Oh, no, well, it's fine. It anyway. happens. Anyway. um so uh they... I also
1: missed the like every I disregarded or failed to get every soul desire lowering so you know yeah that's fair it's a heady chapter it's full of like weird and floating feelings
0: sure um anyway uh so so they they have ordered them to set all the sails uh to pursue it um but uh
1: i love when we s- when every stuncil is spread
0: yes uh however uh the spout is not seen again that night um so yes. It's to no avail.
1: There's also a really great description of Ahab, um, and and more generally, the sort of sense that in the in the wake of the spout, there's everything is sort of lifting up on the wind. All of the you know the sails are f- filling up and billowing out as though the boat's going to take off from the water. They're still driving forward, and uh, there's this idea that there's sort of two urges going on: one dra- drawing up to heaven, and one driving horizontally towards some goal. And i think that's that is an interesting description because it makes the 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 binary is not between like going up or going down but between sort of elevating or ascending and pursuing
0: yeah um
1: and and ahab himself is uh torn between two different things supposedly uh and specifically between apparently his legs because Uh, While one live leg made lively echoes along the deck, every stroke of his dead limb sounded like a coffin tap. On life and death, this old man walked.
0: Yeah. uh, But, uh, all that is for nothing. Uh, No second sight of the spout.
1: Yeah, though every sailor swore he saw it once, but not a second time, so it's not like... It's very strongly not an illusion The the spe- The spout appeared Or at least everyone swore they saw it
0: Yeah Um uh, And then uh, several days later uh, It's spotted again Again in the middle of the night And again they don't see it a second time that night Um mm-hmm. And uh This, this pattern continues uh, Like every couple of days Um so it just seems it, it's just this like really uh, kind of mysterious occurrence uh, that just keeps happening and, uh, you know, getting everyone excited, but never actually leading to their what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, they don't they never actually see the whale for one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And specifically, there's this sort of sense that it's always always ahead of them. It's not that the spout is never seen off to the side or behind them. It's always Mm -hmm. seen ahead, uh, advancing still further and further in our van, as the book puts it. So it seems to be like drawing them forward. They are pursuing it, even though they don't know what it is or really where it is and can only occasionally glimpse it.
0: Yeah. Uh, And uh, some of the sailors uh, superstitiously insist that... uh, The spout is being cast by moby dick uh which gives its appearance a a sense of dread yeah Uh, for
1: for a time there reigned too a sense of peculiar dread so there's this sort of like it's first wondrous and then terrible and then maybe it just sort of fades out or ceases to excite because it's become just part of their lives
0: yeah yeah um uh and this has all been happening during a period of like pleasant weather um uh but eventually uh a storm starts to roll in
1: uh well specifically they're on the cape of good hope so yes. it's, this is this is it's not so much that a storm rolled in as that they rolled in on a storm
0: yes that's probably a better way of putting it because it, yeah there, my understanding is there are basically never not storms around the cape yeah, of good hope. it's
1: it's uh the cape of good hope also called the cape of storms uh, it's it's around the southern tip of africa uh, it's a place I have a certain like personal uh, emotional connection to because uh, I have South African family and I've I've like been to uh, the Cape Point. There's some nice like uh, nature parks down there, and it's it's just really impressive cliffs and really like gray and uh, impressive skies and seas past there. Yeah, but uh, it's also famously a place where you lose a lot of boats. It's like it's an intense uh, rounding of the of the Cape. Um, is a major part of you know uh, circumnavigating the globe at that time. Obviously there was no Suez Canal yet.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as they're uh, rounding the Cape uh, these sea ravens uh, start following the Pequod and, and perching on her stays.
1: And I have to say, I don't know what a sea raven is. I don't know if it's like a sea gull or like a kind of gull or if it's a stormy petrel or a, anything like that. I, I've i certainly never seen a sea raven that I knew to call a sea raven on in any context. And, um...
0: Okay, so I just Googled it and... Uh, the word sea raven apparently refers to a species of fish, which can't. Be... I don't
1: think that. I don't think that they're just like because they're landing on the, the um, they're landing on the ropes and the hemp. They're no. Like...
0: He's not talking about a fish. He is absolutely talking about a bird. But so let. How me...
1: great would it be if he was talking about a fish?
0: <laughs> that would be amazing.
1: Like do these weird spiny fishes, uh, like oh, is it cormorants?
0: That does seem to be what I get if I Google sea raven bird.
1: I mean, cormorants rule. So I. And I have, in fact, seen cormorants, so I can reasonably say that. Oh, oh, that's fascinating! This Encyclopedia of Cryptozoology link: Stellar's Sea Raven, a sea, an unconfirmed seabird.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: How much? Okay, so it's either cormorants or even cooler.
0: Yes, it is a. Uh, we're now on, uh, cryptidarchives.fandom.com, so, I mean... Good job. Take this with a... I I don't know what this wiki is, to be honest. Well, this is like
1: the... frankly, a seabird nobody else has confirmed is, like, the most reasonable cryptozoology I've ever heard of.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Um, anyway, Stellar's sea raven was a cryptid seabird reported once from the Commander Islands of the Bering Sea by George Wilhelm Stellar in 1741-1742. to Um... So, yeah. yeah. And
1: it's never been identified or reported since. Superficially resembled a cormorant. So, uh, it was probably a cormorant.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it goes. But, uh, that's cool. Um, it's cool to think that there, that this is like a bird that was perhaps, that there isn't necessarily a single bird called the sea raven, that maybe it was like a term used for cormorants or other birds, but it doesn't like resolve to a single bird in our modern understanding of like the taxonomy of birds I don't know I just think that's really cool when something is not not knowable in the present day because our categories and assumptions have shifted yeah it's it's a lot like uh, you know things like the um, the set animal where we don't know whether the animal the head that the Egyptian god set or Seth had as a head or um, we don't know what that was supposed to be. Uh, because the depictions of it don't really resolve to a jackal or a dog or anything specific and it's entirely possible it was entirely it was an invented animal mm-hmm. that was just similar to them so uh, the, the result is that it, it even if it was in fact intended to be a specific animal we would now recognize or a category of animals we would now be able to say okay we don't all consider these the same species but they existed we can't know yeah I, I just think that's cool and it's 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 probably not intentional on Melville's part that the sea raven have this unknowability. It sounds like Ishmael was just referring to probably hormorants or a bird that, you know, we can recognize, but we can't be certain of that, and that's cool.
0: I will say, uh, he does describe them as... The inscrutable sea ravens So he does intend them to be kind of unknowable But I think this sort of species unknowability May not be
1: intentional Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's more that they're just like Why are they landing on our boat And just staring at us as though we're a wreck Floating with no people on it for, like, years Shoo, shoo
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm just saying that this sort of uh, This, like, you know, historical distance uh, mm-hmm. in- in- Enhances uh, The effect that uh, Melville is trying to give about these birds
1: No, I think that's right also it has one of the best like short set of lot uh, of words in this chapter, which is a chapter full of really good words. in spite of our hootings, <laughs> describing how they just can't get the uh, the birds to leave. Yeah, I hate when something happens in spite of my hootings.
0: Um, so.
1: God, there's also just more good words in that paragraph as well. Uh, strange forms in the water darted hither and thither before us, uh, or, um, and heaved and heaved, still unrestingly heaved the Black Sea, as if its vast tides were a conscience, and the great mundane soul were in anguish and remorse for the long sin and suffering it had bred. Yeah. It's moody. Shit.
0: It's,
1: it's real moody. Uh, also mundane there, I think, is means, like, the, the world as a whole, not, like, Boring.
0: Yeah, yeah. He definitely means like if, if the, the the soul of of this world. Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> and um. Uh. Yeah. So they they are
1: passing around the Cape of Good Hope.
0: Yeah. Um. And and in fact, even in this, uh, even in the storm, uh, they do. Still, at times, see this uh, unusual jet.
1: The spirit spout.
0: Yes, the spirit spout. Um.
1: Uh, yeah, that's definitely. There's um, like a real, like, even a color, like, contrast happening here between this, like, black-gray sea, the darkness of the surrounds, the, um, you know, uh, straight up, Ishmael says, Cape of Good Hope do they call ye, rather, Cape Tormentoto, as called of yore, uh, like, the. Which I don't know if that was a.
0: Uh, it is, in fact, um, so in my copy it's Tormentoso, uh, but, uh, that is, it says com the name given to the Cape of Good Hope by the Portuguese explorer Bartolomeu Dias uh, in the 1400s. Cool. So. Yeah. So that is an alternative name for it.
1: Yes, yeah, so, uh, Ishmael really is, is leading into this idea of it as a tormented sea where, um. Like, he suggests that the fowls and fish surrounding them are like uh, the souls of sinners, or similar to them, uh, condemned to swim on everlastingly without any having in store, or beat that black air without any horizon. But then amid all of this, you have the spirit spout, which is silvery and white and keeps happening off ahead of the ship, sort of placidly and unchangingly.
0: Yes. Uh, and um, uh, through all of this... Um ahab uh is uh like taking command on deck, uh you know, uh, it says uh al- almost continually. Um, mm-hmm. so uh you know, we it doesn't state this explicitly, but I think we can easily imagine that Ahab uh, at least somewhat credits the idea that this spout might be Moby Dick
1: mm, because um, he wants to be. Uh, he wants to be on deck and in command when the chase begins.
0: Exactly. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. what is suggested here. Um, and he, uh, he's like wordlessly standing at one of those points where there's a hole drilled for his ivory leg to stand in uh, for hours and hours.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, just constantly being blown on by the wind and sleet. It's a very impressive image. Uh, although I personally found it a little funny that um, Ishmael said, you know, uh, he'd stand gazing dead to windward. While an occasional squall of sleet or snow would all but congeal his very eyelashes together, I'm just like, I cannot take the phrase "congeal his eyelashes together" seriously.
0: That is fair. Uh, it's and yeah,
1: like, yeah, n- 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 it's in my eye. It's, goo- <laughs> it's gooey. Yeah.
0: And um, uh, the crew are also uh like standing fast through this storm. Uh, they are. Uh, basically tying themselves to the rail, um, in in kind of like a like a loop of rope. Um.
1: Yeah, they're they're you know they're having life life ropes tied to them for safety. Uh, it notes that they've basically abandoned the forward part of the ship because the waves break over the bow so much that it's just uh, coated in ice and water,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which. Uh, you know we watched master and commander for an earlier episode and they also i think went around the cape of good hope and that's when there was like the storms and all the, the serious yeah, yeah. while that was really dramatic i really think this gives more of a sense of like the the simple the, the passage of time even just like in a page the passage of time and the sort of oppressive atmosphere of just constant cold and sleet and wind and ever and being like Tying yourself to the ship and having to stay At the aft uh, aft, Rather than going up four Because the four is just drenched in this
0: icy water Yeah And they're also doing this like almost silently Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Which you know I'm sure there's sort of a practical reason For that which is that it must be extremely loud uh, Like with all With the the sound of the ocean and all of that But it also you know kind of speaks To this weird like Somber atmosphere Mm -hmm. In general
1: yeah, Ahab is, um, I think the phrase used is they, uh, The captain and crew become practical fatalists They're just, you know They just understand that there's nothing they can do But forge onward through this weather There's nothing that can change or fix any of this
0: Yes Yeah um, And uh, uh, Even Even when he absolutely has to go below and rest uh, Ahab still maintains this Kind of eternal watch uh, which, Starbuck witnesses, uh, because he, it says um. Uh, that, uh, Starbuck, one night went below, uh, and saw Ahab, uh, sitting up in a chair with his eyes closed, still covered in sleet, uh, with a chart open, holding a lantern, um, and with his head thrown back as if he's looking up at the compass that's hanging from the ceiling.
1: Yeah. The um. I should note that the the reason you hang the compass from the ceiling is so that it can remain, like, uh, level. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, presumably you can see through the bottom of the compass, but it means that because it's dangling, even if the ship, sweep, you know, swings and sweeps, the compass will still be able to may, be level and, and, you know, continue to tell the course of the ship uh, relative to the, um, you know, north-south.
0: Yeah. Um, so Ahab is still, uh, like... Uh, keeping a- as close watch as he possibly can On uh, where the ship is going And uh, the possibility of reaching his goal Even while asleep
1: Yes, I really like like star- the uh, This um, free and direct discourse Of like Starbuck's uh, Internal thoughts in the narration
0: Yeah Terrible old man, thought Starbuck with a shudder Sleeping in this gale Still thou steadfastly eyest thy purpose
1: mm, It's good It's very good It is good also, I love the, um, I love whenever the these and thous are in the, uh, in the text. Like, because it's, it's old, it's explicitly old-fashioned. Ishmael said as much. Yes. And it's, like, very Nantucket. Yes, yes it and is. And it's just fun to me that that is still, nowadays, at least as effective a signifier of, like, old-timiness. And that's what Ishmael was going for.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: that's just very funny to me. Uh, so, yeah, that's... That's about chapter 51, the spirit spout It's like, it's really dense and cool It has a lot of like intense energy to it But it's really just sort of describing another one of the like legs of the journey There's not really plot events
0: Yeah, yeah um, I think, you know, this does a good job to kind of build the sense of like This um, desperate chase after any whale at all uh, especially with the hope that that whale might be Moby Dick. Mm. Uh, and you kind of, you know, you understand how that is like a, just like a, a constant striving and, and like um, wishing yeah. and and, and yeah. working.
1: It's interesting because I really, I didn't feel as much the, like because of that sort of heady, spiritous uh, sort of floatingness that I described, I really didn't feel very much the, like, intense drive after mode, Like, you know, obviously Ish- uh, Ahab's eye is still on his purpose, and, you know, um, they are going through this. But I much more thought it's like, okay, they can't really... He's still on his purpose, even though right now he can't pursue it. It's just right now they're just making the, the, the trick, the course. That's what I meant to say. They're making the course around the cape. They're just continuing on in this sort of uh, required segment of storms. They're not going to try and hunt any whales here because it's the Cape of Good Hope. It's just a terrible idea.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, like, when I talk about the, like, steadfast dedication to their purpose, I, I. you're right that, like, um, it's not necessarily all literally about hunting whales throughout this chapter, but I just mean like, uh, the thing you described about being, like, practical fatalists, about just, like, being set on this course and having to just, like, weather this terrible storm and having you know, no other option.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Rounding the cape.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think that does it for the spirit spout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next chapter is called The Albatross. Uh, unfortunately, no angel birds. In this chapter. It's not about an actual albatross.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 about a boat called the albatross, or rather the goni, which is a, a word for albatross as has been established. Yes. I like the idea that it's got uh, the goni, parenthesis albatross and peren on the side, like the way that uh Ishmael renders it. Like he's so concerned to tell us, Okay, no, no, it's called the Goni, but it means albatross. This is an albatross. There's an albatross here with everything that means. Yes. Which, speaking of ominous things,
0: yeah. Um, and and uh, uh, what happens is that the this ship, the Goni, um, comes uh, into view of the Pequod, um, and uh, it the the ship is like deeply weathered, in a way that distinctively marks it marks her, as a whaler <laughs> that's been that's been at sea for a long time. Uh, Ishmael says nearly four years of cruising. Uh, yes, which is like. Jesus, like a four-year-long journey of this kind of journey that's been described so far—that is, that is hard for me to comprehend.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair, and the description makes it very clear. Like, uh, do you want to know a really dumb comparison that came to my mind? Uh, about sure. This? Uh, it looks like uh, a hollowed undead from Dark Souls. It's like the Dark Souls aesthetic of like things being super worn out and dead and like still moving. Like this. Looks more like a ghost ship than a ghost ship.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, fair enough.
1: Like, the descriptions include things like, This craft was bleached like the skeleton of a stranded walrus. All down her sides, this spectral appearance was traced with long channels of reddened rust. While all her spars and her rigging were like the thick branches of trees furred over with horror frost.
0: Yeah, no, It. I definitely think that the sense of, like, almost like a ghost ship is, is very real here.
1: Um. Yeah. And, you know, the um, the lookouts are uh, um, long-bearded and seemed clad in the skins of beasts so torn and bepatched the raiment. They're just, they're absolutely ragged. And uh, the lookouts don't even call out to the lookouts in the Pequod's mastheads, even though the two boats are heeling over such that they're, like, practically uh, touching masts.
0: Yes. Uh.
1: And so here's a thing that I realized reading this that I think has to be true, which is that the Pequod is to the windward of the Goni. Okay. Uh, because, so their masts get close enough to touch, but they're both going, they're, the wind is coming from the same direction for both of them, which means they're both healing over in the same direction, that is to windward, I mean, to, to the Lee. They're healing over from windward, so that means that the masts are tipping in the same direction. Which means that if they're going to get their mastheads close enough that they, like, get closer and closer without the two ships, like, main bodies coming closer, that means the Pequod has to be healing over significantly more, or one of them has to be healing over significantly more than the other. However, the Goni is, only has half sails raised, like, Ah. only some of the sails on the Goni are raised, so I imagine, and... Presumably part of this is the Goni is going slower and making less good time in exchange for a somewhat safer and more controlled head of sail. Right. So the Goni would be healing over less than the Pequod, which is more dedicated to its drive. Which means that the Pequod would be healing over would be further, which for their mastheads to get closer rather than farther apart when that's the case, the Pequod would have to pass windward, that is to say, with the Goni in its lee, of the Goni.
0: Okay, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I can make, I cannot disagree with the argument you just presented. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, And uh,
1: and specifically it says when the ship slowly glided close under our stern, which I think does, now that I'm thinking about it, I do think under our stern means to the lee of our stern. So I, I think I may have gone a very long way around for a thing the book just says. Sure. But I, I'm glad I derived it without thinking about that phrase, because I feel very special now.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and um, and the Pequod hails the goni, uh, asking, of course, no one's surprised by this, uh, have you seen the white whale?
1: You know, well, the, the normal thing, like, hi, have you seen the white whale? Just, just normal behavior for a ship.
0: Yeah, um, but... Uh, the goni's captain like raises a speaking trumpet to, to respond, but he drops it into the ocean, uh, so it's impossible for the Pequod to hear him. Um,
1: yep, uh, Also, ominous. Yeah,, this, this, as uh, it, you know says, uh, the seamen of the Pequod were evincing their observance of this ominous incident at the first mere mention of the white whale's name to another ship.: Yeah. Also, God, I feel so bad for the captain of the Goni
0: yeah no he's like that's just gone now that's gonna be a huge pain in the ass for like the rest of their travels
1: yeah to be fair it's maybe less they're less than a year out like you know it's been some weeks maybe they've been you know a few months at sea so they're if the if the goni is headed back towards new england they've just got you know a few months left before they can like you know not be on the goni yeah <laughs> hopefully get the goni fixed up
0: yeah, yeah, I do hope they're on their way home.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think they're. It's generally accepted that if you're going, if you're going to the whaling grounds, you must be going through the Cape of Good Hope, or there'd have been a suggestion of going around, uh, around um, South America.
0: Sure, I, I don't quite follow what that.
1: Oh, so if you're going, if they're going past in the Cape of Good Hope in the other direction, they're almost certainly going home.
0: Ah, I see. Because yes. they're
1: they are a New England uh, or at least an Atlantic ship.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, uh, Ahab hails the Goni again, uh, getting some more details. Uh, I'm just gonna read what he says, because it's it's sort of weird and distinctive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ahoy there! This is the Pequod, bound round the world. Tell them to address all future letters to the Pacific Ocean. And this time three years, if I am not at home, tell them to address them to... And then he cuts himself off. Uh... Because, uh, there's this sort of weird thing that happens where, um, uh, so at at that moment the two wakes were fairly crossed, which I guess means... That that means the ships are getting very close to each other?
1: They've- So the ships have passed each other at that point and are starting to- The the distance between them has gotten as close as it's going to do and get further away. And presumably, one of them- Like, they're at- They're not, like, parallel. One of them's at an angle, so their wakes behind the two ships have now crossed. One of them- Like, one of them has crossed the wake of the other. I think that matters for the fish.
0: Yes, so- So what happens at this moment is that uh, a bunch of fish that had been swimming around- uh, the Pequod, leave the Pequod, and swim over to the Goni, um, which is, like, normal. Uh, uh, Ishmael describes this in accordance with their singular ways. Uh, so, like, fishes do this.
1: Yeah, but- yeah, and I think that specifically... You know, it makes sense that a uh, that a school of fish might follow a ship that presumably drops trash, and yeah. you know, might even get a whale, and or just has like stuff on the bottom you can nibble at. But then, when another ship that is not going further into coal, into like waters that these fish can't follow to for whatever reason comes along, yeah, it makes perfect sense for them to switch to the other one.
0: To jump ship, perhaps. <laughs> um, but uh, Ahab responds to this. Uh, Ahab finds this, like, significant. Uh, and, and he seems to kind of, uh, I mean, what he says is, uh, swim away from me, do ye? So his impression is that like the, the fish are fleeing him.
1: Yeah, and there's this line that's, there seemed but little in the words, but the tone conveyed more of deep, helpless sadness than the insane old man had ever before evinced. So, like, he sees that as very meaningful in some sense, and I, I think I can see how.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it. I think it very much accords with this other sort of superstitious perception that we've had, that it's like, oh, wow, well, the minute we mention the name of the white whale to another ship, like, they became speechless. And it's also kind of like, you know, the minute some fish have the opportunity to not be around the the doomed ship that is the Pequod, they immediately take that opportunity.
1: Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was reading it a little differently, which I was reading it like, uh ahab is so dedicated to so driven by a desire to keep people on his quest with him Mm. to not just like to have the manpower to do it though i think you know obviously that's important but also to convince people that this quest that so devours him is meaningful that the you know that it is just fundamentally correct that he should slay the white whale and pursue it that on some level that like on some level, he is constantly trying to communicate to other people the... I think there was a line in an earlier chapter that I ran across again recently. The idea of um, uh, the laden jar, of his magnetic soul, being full of this energy that he's trying to impart to other people. He's trying to make them understand why they should also want to kill the white whale. Mm. And he can never really succeed at that he can get them on his side for a time but they're never going to understand him he doesn't have companionship or people like following him because they fundamentally agree he can you know he can manipulate them he can drive them he can infect them but he can't really get them to understand yeah and this and this these fish which are you know they're just fish but like them swimming away from him when they've been moving in the same direction as him at least for me i feel very strongly that this is like a what this suggests to Ahab which you know I am not a monomaniacal genius dedicated to the destruction of the white whale so I can't really think like Ahab sure but i think what it suggests to him is this idea that though they seem to be going in the same direction they actually have no interest in his in his purpose yeah and the same thing must to some extent be Terrifying to him, or at least deeply morose, when he looks at the people he surrounds himself with, who are the closest of anyone to understanding his purpose, and knowing that they could just swim away—they are not, in fact, united by this uh, this desire.
0: Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. I think your sort of explication of what's going on here is very like interesting, um, and I also think it accords really well with the last couple of paragraphs of this chapter because um, mm-hmm. so so after watching the fish go uh ahab uh you know uh calls out to the crew uh to the steersman uh to keep the Pequod moving uh keep her off round the world um and uh, ishmael kind of reflects on that because you know he thinks to himself like well that sounds really dramatic and, and like inspirational but on the other hand it also really communicates something kind of Pointless about this quest because literally we're going to end up exactly where we started. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, uh, uh, there is much in that sound to inspire proud feelings, but where to does all that circumnavigation conduct? Only through numberless perils to the very point once we started, where those that we left behind secure were all the time before us. Um, so I think, you know, in this moment, Ishmael is also kind of doubting the the purpose of this journey. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And I would argue many journeys.
0: Yeah. No, he's definitely not just talking about uh, the specific voyage of the Pequod here, because every, every whaler is in some sense going around the world is going to end up where they started. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, and uh, I I think, you know, he's almost sort of using the specific and, and like, uh, you know, strange, Voyage of the Pequod is really metonymy for every voyage. Uh, But in pursuit of those far mysteries we dream of, or in tormented chase of that demon phantom that sometime or other swims before all human hearts uh, while chasing such over this round globe, they either lead us on in barren mazes or midway leave us whelmed. So, you know, he's saying all human hearts chase some kind of demon phantom at some time or other. Yeah. Um, So... So actually, yeah, it's interesting, in this moment, at the the same time, Ishmael is doubting the purpose of this voyage, and maybe of, like, any voyage, but he is also kind of admitting that every voyage, and maybe on some level, all, like, human endeavor, is chasing that demon phantom. So he is, I think, kind of agreeing to the thing that Ahab believes, which is that, you know, pursuing Moby Dick Is kind of like a universal human uh, Goal, Yeah, purpose. Yeah, um, no, that
1: that makes total sense I also like this line just before The one you quoted, which was uh, We're just going to quote this entire paragraph, I guess Yeah uh, Were this world an endless plain And by sailing eastward we could forever reach New distances and discover sights More sweet and strange than any Cyclades Or islands of King Solomon Then there was promise in the voyage And like it's this idea that the there's a closure to it that we've already we found the whole world and now that we have any circumnavigation any uh any voyage is fundamentally unpromising it can only at best we can arrive back where we started because it turns out that there is not an infinite and unlimited milieu to just constantly travel more but rather that all traveling is ultimately still headed back towards home i think this is it's a very Starbuckian notion in a certain sense.
0: I mean, I think Starbuck is perfectly comfortable with yeah, yeah, that's starting true. and that's ending true. in the same place. Yes. Because, like, I think, that that is Starbuck, you're right. Yeah. Um uh it I, I think uh it it definitely is um like recognizing the kind of uh uh mundane limits of the journey in a mm-hmm. way that Starbuck would, but like Starbuck is fine with that. That's what yeah, he wants. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. There's this Yeah, it's- it's kind of cryptic, honestly, because, you know, this certainly isn't a voyage of discovery, it's a- it's a whaling voyage. Mm -hmm. But there's this sort of sense that, like, maybe a voyage of discovery is the valuable kind of voyage, that there's, you know, um, that there's not real that going so far doesn't actually mean anything when what you really are doing is pursuing what's inside you, or just pursuing- you're pursuing your own phantoms and desires, and those are with you the entire time. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I Like I said, I think it's cryptic.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, a Cryptic and ominous uh, chapter, much like the previous one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, shall we move on to the gam?
1: Oh, ah, the gam.
0: <laughs> yeah, the gam. Don't you know what a
1: gam is? Come on, you should know what a gam is.
0: Uh, so uh, chapter 53 is called The Gam.
1: Yeah. You know, a gam, Uh, like you do.
0: mm -hmm. You have a gam. So, uh, there's, like, the, the, we start out by explaining that the, uh, uh, the apparent reason why Ahab did not board the other ship is because, of course, there were storms um but
1: yeah there's well the sea and wind betoken storms like there could have been bad worse weather there was certainly bad weather uh even even with them like slowing down and putting their head to the wind things were still choppy and they couldn't slow down that much so it's it's just not a good place to board to like go across to another boat
0: yes but uh another ship Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh it's also maybe to some extent this just seems to be his habit that he doesn't necessarily bother to go across to another ship, uh, if they say no to the question of, have you seen the white whale? Um, and this is unusual because normally, uh, when whaling ships encounter each other, uh, they, like, meet up, uh, and, like, exchange news, uh, much as, uh, Ishmael compares it to how, like, two strangers crossing, like, a desolate place on land, uh, if they ran into each other, would almost certainly, you know, spend some time talking.
1: Yeah, it would be very weird if, like, the two of two people in, like, a massive, empty plane, one of them, like, waves to the other and says, hi, and the other says, hi, they're gonna, like, they're probably not just gonna walk directly past each other when they haven't seen any other humans for, like, days.
0: Yes. Um, and, uh... It would be kind of rude. Y- yes. Uh, and there's all sorts of kind of practical reasons why this is desirable for whaling ships because, you know, uh, the one that's more recently departed may have letters on board that it can give to the Mm -hmm. longer sailing one, um, and, uh, the one that's been cruising longer may have information about the cruising grounds and, like, you know, where whales have been seen and so on, um...
1: And there's also a decent chance if they're both from Nantucket, for example, that they actually have social connections or, you know, the one coming more recently from the home port has gossip and, and you know, uh, recent events and so on.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they basically just they have a lot in common to talk about. Um,
1: yeah. And even if they're um, both if they've both been in the cruising round for a while, so haven't been, um, it's not that one of them is, like, the Pequod here, freshly out of, uh, Nantucket, and the other is four years at sea.
0: Uh-huh.
1: uh even if they've both been out at sea for similar amounts of time, it's still a chance for social, uh, sociability. There might be news from other ships that they've gammed with.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I, can
1: I use it like that as a verb, gammed with?
0: I have um, no idea, Ben.
1: Well, oh, oh, no, they, he does say gamming, so I guess he okay, can yeah, say no, they've it gammed. Is a, it is so, a verb, yeah. So, a uh, ship that's gammed with others, um might have letters from those ships that might be more recent uh looking for crew of this ship yeah uh, or they might just have more you know gossip and whaling details and so on
0: uh and this is also true even for uh ships that come from different countries as long as they share a language uh but ishmael goes into a little bit the kind of like Uh, mutual smugness that (laughs) that american and english whalers feel towards each other
1: oh god yeah and i love how much he's very clearly like oh yeah you know english whalers think themselves more sophisticated and developed than american whalers but this is clearly untrue because we kill a lot more whales and we are much more established and um but you know uh we probably have foibles of our own so we should be nice (laughs) and it's just like yes ishmael i can see the foibles you are having at me right now
0: (laughs) yes um and, uh, Sorry, I
1: just... The, the uh, English regard the long, lean Nantucketer uh, with his nondescript provincialisms as a sort of sea peasant.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, this is actually kind of unusual. Like, this is a spe- this is really a specific habit of whaling ships. Mm. Um, like, uh, Nishmo kind of goes through, like, every every other type of ship that he mentions uh, for their own sort of reasons, don't really interact with each other when they meet up
1: or they have they have different means of interacting it's much less sociable
0: yeah so this he goes through like uh merchant ships uh uh men of war um slave ships and pirates uh they all like um
1: well do we want to go the what through the ways they differ
0: yeah i think it's worth it so like uh merchant ships (laughs) i think this is the most entertaining one so i'm just gonna read it Yeah, Um, yeah Whereas some merchant ships crossing each other's wake in the mid-Atlantic will oftentimes pass on without so much as a single word of recognition, mutually cutting each other on the high seas like a brace of dandies in Broadway, and all the time indulging perhaps in finical criticism upon each other's rig.
1: Well, I can say for certain that the practice of finical criticism of each other's rig has survived into the present day and especially in my family,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I just love this image of merchant ships just kind of sniffing and walking <laughs> past each other, and be
1: like, "Oh, they're luffing." <laughs> oh, no, no, they're pinching. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Oh, God,
1: um, my my family does in fact have a tradition.
0: Uh, I think we've talked about pinching and luffing before.
1: Yes, of and but you. It's not just that the person in your boat is pinching or luffing. Any other ship that gets close enough for visual contact, especially a ship that is much larger and more impressive and more expensive than our own, like <laughs> like one with mul- multiple masts and all that stuff, they are almost certainly pinching or luffing, and we will determine that. And if they're not, then it, it's, it's basically a, a round of sort of applause, even if not actually, like, applause. Uh. But, like, you might call out, like, you know you're sailing well or something like that you know giving them the the sideman imprimatur of uh of fine seamanship uh so this one i'm just like hmm new england merchants might you know there might be something there that i need to think about personally <laughs>
0: uh And uh, men of war have this kind of, like, uh, formal way of interacting, which, you know, makes sense. Like, they they are naval ships. They have a, a formal hierarchy. So, of course, they've got to, like, engage in a certain kind of ritual.
1: And also they have to presumably engage in a certain ritual our two nations not at war not at war
0: <laughs> yes i mean I, I think i was more imagining uh men of war two men of war of the same nation mm, same um, navy
1: yeah because
0: yeah. I, I would imagine if they're from separate nations it's a it's a much more finicky diplomatic yeah event. yeah um but uh yeah and then um slave ships uh i mean all that all that ishmael says about it is that they are just both in a great hurry
1: yeah, the uh. the the slave ships thing is just sort of like mm, yeah, they're um they're going where they're going at speed, presumably so the people in them don't, you know, don't all die before they can be sold. It's like the the atmosphere, the vibes are rancid.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh al- although, you know, uh the vibes here are not quite as rancid as the ones for pirates because uh supposedly their hails are how many skulls? <laughs>
1: The same way that whalers hail how many barrels. Yeah, like, here's the thing. The slave ships one feels, like, believable in a certain grim sense that, like, okay, yeah, I can see how that might be a thing Ishmael has actually witnessed. Right. Whereas the pirates, his image of pirates is, like, cartoonish.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. um...
1: Like- They are infernal villains on both sides. and don't like to see over much of each other's villainous likenesses. Like, this idea that pirates are just constantly snarling, Yes! Bring me skulls!
0: (laughs) Yes. Um.
1: Is very, uh... Yeah, I like... I enjoy the pirates a bit, because it's just like, Ishmael, have you ever met a pirate? (laughs) I don't think you've ever met a pirate. I'm not even sure pirates are a major issue in this time and place. Uh... And he just loves things like when they chance to cross each other's crossbones.
0: Yeah. <sighs> but, on the other hand, look at the godly, honest, unostentatious, <laughs> hospitable, sociable, free, and easy whaler.
1: <laughs> oh, that. He, he does actually just write that sentence.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, when two whalers meet each other uh, in, you know, weather that permits it, they have a gam. A gam!
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone knows what a gam is, except only whalers know what a gam is, because other people don't even have gams. They don't gam at all.
0: Yes. Um, and uh, so he does, in fact, say, all right, the word gam is not to be found in any dictionary.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. he also says that, um, I just really love the, uh, a gam a thing so utterly unknown to all other ships that they never that they ne- even uh that they never heard of the name even if by chance they should hear of it they only grin at it and repeat games and stuff about spouters and blubber boilers and uh I-, I just wanted to point out that he's like why do people think they're better than whalers
0: hmm <laughs> yes
1: which by the way showed up in the master and commander movie
0: Oh, yeah, the, there was whalers, and they were making fun of them constantly. It's yeah, weird. yeah. Um,
1: Apparently, this is just an established thing that everyone just makes fun of uh, whalers, even pirates and slavers.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so, then
1: he—I I do want to get to, the like, the, the thing with pirates, because oh, he does a yeah. bunch of puns. Yeah, there, puns. There's
0: this little uh, slight digression about, like, uh, you know, uh, why do all these ships—why uh, are they so scornful towards whalers? Uh—
1: Especially pirates. Yes. In the case of pirates, uh, he goes on about how they're, you know, I don't think it has any particular glory to it. It's not that interesting or impressive. And, you know, sure, sometimes it ends in an uncommon elevation, but only at the gallows. he goes Uh, on a bit for what I can only call gallows humor.
0: Yes. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, I think the, we may as well, since you've worked up to it so much, read the next two sentences. And besides, when a man is elevated in that odd fashion, he has no proper foundation for his superior altitude. <laughs> Hence, I conclude that in boasting himself to be high-lifted above a whaleman, in that assertion the pirate has no solid basis to stand on.
1: It's a good pun. It's a, it's a really good pun.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a... Like, it, he
1: does spend a paragraph building to it.
0: <laughs> yes. Um.
1: But I like it.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Um... <laughs>
1: Also, I wanted to make it as—I've been trying to put as many obstacles in the way of actually explaining what a gam is as humanly possible, much like Ishmael.
0: Okay, but I think we really have come to the moment <laughs> here. Do you want to read it, or do, should I? I
1: think, I think you deserve to, because I've been nothing but problems.
0: All right. So, he actually defines—Ishmael's uh, dictionary defines the word gam as Gam, noun, a social meeting of two or more whale ships, generally on a cruising ground— when after exchanging hails, they exchange visits by boats' crews. The two captains remaining for the time on board of one ship, and the two chief mates on the other. Ah, uh, so that's a gam. Yep, uh, it's,
1: it's sort of like two parallel parties. because yeah. you've got because one one boat's crew, which is like one chunk of the crew, but not the whole crew, goes across from each boat's and mixes at the other. So like the majority of your crew, of the Pequod's crew would stay on the Pequod, and the majority of, let's say, hypothetically, the Goni's crew would stay on the Goni, but both the captains would be, like, on the Goni, and both the uh, chief mates would be on the Pequod, and, like, six men from each would be on the other.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it honestly sounds pretty nice. Uh, I, I, I'm I kind of with Ishmael. Why don't other ships do this? Seems like they should. <laughs> um.
1: uh, I... I'm sure they have their own, like... I'm, I'm pretty sure that in, again, like the, the Aubrey Maturin stories, there are moments where the ship's captain and mate and a few other people go across to the larger ship of war and have, like, a dinner with them. Yeah. And the, the crews have a party on the deck or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i sure there are, like, actual, uh, you know, traditions of, like, ships interacting when they meet in the ocean. Uh, I think... You know, Ishmael's point before wasn't so much that that doesn't happen at all, but more like, oh, it's not as, it's not as pleasant and sociable as it can. Yes. He's <laughs> going
1: to be very, um, I want to say chauvinistic about whalers.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's made the point at length in like some of the earliest chapters of the book that like, People have a problem with whalers and, like, think that they're disreputable, and they shouldn't, and, and he... Yeah, no, he's, he's sticking to his guns. Yeah, like, a, a defense of whalers and whaling has absolutely been, like, a, a meaningful element of this entire book. Yes. Um,
1: uh, but it gets really absurd in the next bit.
0: Yes, so this is, uh, the, the last kind of uh, point in this chapter is this sort of detail about, uh, gamming, and specifically about, uh, how the captain gets over to the other ship um because uh in on on basically any other kind of ship mm-hmm. uh when the captain goes on his boat uh he normally has like a comfortable seat to sit in and a, a tiller uh that he can man so he can steer the ship the well boat.
1: you should say it's he often steers himself with a pretty little milliner's tiller decorated with gay cords and ribbons yes like the the amount of like Like, Ishmael is not a macho guy, but the amount of macho posturing about his captain here is remarkable.
0: Yes, yes. uh, Absolutely. Uh, So, uh, in contrast, whaleboats do not have, like, a seat for the captain, uh, and they also do not have a tiller. Uh, And as for a tiller, the whaleboat never admits of any such effeminacy.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's ishmael what are you doing it's like because it's not about him it's about like the the whaling captain in the abstract
0: yes uh and and so what all of this uh you know boils down to is that when the captain is going across in in a whaleboat, um he has to stand up the whole time with oars like knocking into him on either side um.
1: And the steering oar from behind, because he's not the one doing the steer- the oar yes. steering, both because he has to appear, you know, uh, impressive and captainly, and also because it's the crew of that boat, so one of his mates is going to be the steering man, and the harpoonier is going to be in the front, and they're going out with the whole complement, so there's nowhere for him to stand that would, in a, a working whale boat would have, everyone would be in their place, they wouldn't be getting in each other's way, but, but he's an extra, and there's yes. no free space.
0: Yes, uh, and so he basically has to uh, stand up uh, on his own with like nothing to steady himself in front of everyone, right? The crew of both ships watching him.
1: Yes, uh, and and if he were to have anything that he was holding himself up with, like a pole or something, it would be considered well effeminate. It would it, be considered a sign of weakness.
0: Yes, it would. It would threaten his pride. Uh, so uh, the 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 most that can be admitted to that is. Um, uh, the last sentence of this chapter. Nevertheless, there have occurred instances, well-authenticated ones too, where the captain has been known for an uncommon, uncommonly critical moment or two, in a sudden squall, say, to seize hold of the nearest oarsman's hair and hold on there like, grim death.
1: Yeah, which can't be pleasant. <laughs> no. Uh, but the, um, it's also worth noting that because he's standing in the middle of a moving small boat on a choppy sea or even... Tom sees, the boat is shifting and rocking, and he can't hold on to anything, so he's got to hold himself in place with just his two legs, which, as anyone who's been on a boat will tell you, you have to move your legs around a bunch to keep your sea legs under you, because you can't, like, if the boat tilts in a direction that your two legs are perpendicular to, that's like, that's like a bipod, you will just fall over, so you have to have space to step. And he doesn't. So basically, he has to, like, arrange his feet in such a way as to have as much of a base as possible. And like a, like a surfer on a surfboard oh, remains standing up as the boat pitches and turns. He has no control over it, unlike a surfer. And for added macho, like, energy, he's he's supposed to put his hands in his pockets. He's supposed to look completely unbothered while maintaining this ridiculous sort of, like, core strength workout uh you know establishing himself as this upright figure and look impressive doing it which is why when the boat tips he will grab someone's hair because otherwise he's going to fall out of the boat yep uh and also again he's um in the plain sight of the world's riveted eyes um uh, it would never do, I say, for the straddling captain to be seen steadying himself the slightest particle by catching hold of anything with his hands, and that's why he has to put his hands in the in his pocket so it's very clear, look, look, I'm standing up without having having to grab onto anything,
0: yeah, it's you know <sighs> after all this, I cannot believe Ishmael was making fun of the like uh you know uh habits and like rituals of men of war as being. Like, pointless and, and uh, cold. Like, this is such an act of, uh, you know... Uh...
1: It is it is definitely... the Going across to the gam as a captain is absolutely trying to make yourself look cool to the other captain. Yes. Like, you're trying to... You're posturing. And it's something that I don't think is spelled out explicitly, but is worth uh, thinking about. The chief mate doesn't have to do any of this because the chief mate has a boat of his own. So he'll just be on a steering oar, and he'll have a place to sit, and it will be reasonable. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah. You know, Uh, is it really a surprise that this profession made an Ahab?
0: (laughs) I have to wonder, how do they decide? I mean, I guess, you know, they they just must hash it out over the speaking trumpets. But, like, I wonder how it is normally decided which captain is going to have to go over to the other ship.
1: Oh, man, I bet it's like a game of chicken,
0: yeah, like, like I, I'm sure both of them are like, "Oh, yeah, I'd be perfectly happy to go over to your ship. It would be no problem for me, obviously. <laughs> uh, I just happen to think that there's a little more room on my ship. i'd I'd really like to I really like to show you my dining table. I just think you'd enjoy that,
1: <laughs> oh man. i I bet Ahab just immediately if they say I've seen the white whale, Ahab's just like stay there. just goes to his boat because he does not give a fuck,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: That that at least is the energy I've gotten from Ahab.
0: I, I I would love to see, and and hopefully we will soon. I would love to see Ahab's behavior during a gam. D-
1: good luck. G- good news. Good news.
0: <laughs> is that what happens in the next chapter?
1: Uh, at the very least, the town ho's story is a ta- is a story heard um, from a ship. The town ho that will be encountered in the short gam that ensued. She gave us strong news of Moby Dick.
0: Okay, well. Damn, that's a very exciting... Yeah, uh, it's
1: also a long chapter, which is why we're not doing it today.
0: Yes, (laughs) I think we already mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to all that. Um.
1: (sighs) Yeah, no, I I think these have been... These are some nice chapters. Again, they're not super narrative. There is... Plot events have occurred, um, but mostly the plot is just that the Pequod continues around the Cape, and personally, as a, a boat story liker, um, I think that having a piece of information where you explain how the travel around the Cape went is like a, it's a genre staple of stories about tall ships. Yeah. And I think that this one had a lot of cool, ominous, ominous happenings. I almost said omens, and I, <laughs> I backed off from it because I've been, I've been told off appropriately.
0: I didn't mean to, it's just like, <laughs> I think, for example, that the fish swimming away, like, at least the way Ishmael presents it, it is not, like
1: supernatural
0: yeah ishmael does not seem to think that's an omen in the way that you know i think maybe he does think that uh um
1: the spirit spout
0: yeah the the, the spirit spout might be one or like uh certainly like that albatross that he described encountering i certainly mm-hmm. think ishmael thought that was a an omen a real kind of quasi-supernatural experience mm-hmm. um, whereas he is at pains to point out that like this is just the thing that fish do
1: yeah, that's, um, that's fair, um, and same with a guy dropping his trumpet. But the spirit spout is, it's literally called the spirit spout. I think yeah. that one's definitely difficult to explain.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, um, yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: Um, we do have a little bit of news, which is, uh, that we talked about a little at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is that, uh, I was, uh, on another podcast, um, uh, do not steal an oc podcast and i had a lovely time and there's some whale content on it if you're interested in tabletop rpgs
0: yeah um it's uh do not steal is a another great podcast It it is on the abnormal mapping network mm-hmm. right yeah another great podcast on the abnormal mapping network um so you know if if, if you like hearing about uh i don't know uh <laughs> Dramatic characters with strange obsessions. (laughs) I do actually think they've got plenty of that on that show.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, No, that makes that that is correct. That's true. Uh, We should also mention that the hosts are wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hannah and Olivia are great. Also, I am married to Hannah. (laughs) Sorry, I was just like,
1: are they going to mention it? Are they going to mention it? Are they (laughs) going to mention it?
0: Yes, all listeners of this podcast are required to go listen to my wife's podcast because she's my wife and you have to like her too.
1: Sure, I'll I'll endorse this Um. But yeah, uh, next time The Town Hose story Some news of Moby Dick And uh, What do we uh, sing for, man?
0: A dead whale or a stove boat